Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you so much, Pastor Jack. I love Pastor Jack and Pastor Carol. They've become dear friends over the years that we've known them, and our lives have been changed and ministries have been transformed uh, just through the relationship that we've had with them for the last 15 years or so. Met them through Pastor Don Matheny. Anybody know Don Matheny? <laughs> through Pastor Don Matheny, he helped us connect, and uh, it's, it's just been an honor uh, all these uh, well, these last 15 years or so to, to know them and to even come. This is actually my third visit to Australia, so I'm working on the accent. Let, let me apologize first for my American accent. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> otherwise, you know, if, I, if I'm not careful, I, I may begin to talk like this, you see. Because in Zambia, in Malawi, this is the way we talk. And so um, I remember in one of our leaders' meetings there in Zambia, uh, I, was, I was just kind of, you know, teasing with our leaders. And I said, you know, the British say they, they invented English, but the Americans, they perfected it. <laughs> and then one of our leaders said, yes, pasta, but we Zambians, we have ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, it's good to be back in Australia. It's been a, it's been a number of years since, since we were here. Last time we were here, I was, we were with our daughter, my wife, and my daughter was just real young. Now she's 16. And uh, my wife, she sends her greetings, and she would have loved to have been here, but she has to be, be with our daughter who's in school uh, in 10th grade, just started 10th grade, 16, going on about 26, if you know what I mean. And uh, she's precious to us. She, she's our youngest. We adopted her when she was three months old. Her name's Andrea Moyo. Moyo in the local language there in Malawi where she's from means life. And uh, think about her testimony. I get a little emotional because she was diagnosed with HIV when she was born. The first test. And uh, we prayed. And God turned turned it around and she's totally healed and speaking that name Moyo over her life you know it there's life and death in the power of our tongue and so we've seen God do some amazing things in her life she's 16 and then we have a 30 year old son another 33 year old daughter and uh, a 38 year old son I know I don't look like you know I have a 38 year old son but maybe I do I don't know but anyways and two grandchildren, two grandchildren. So now I'm Babu, that's Swahili for grandfather. I'm Babu, and my wife is Bibi. So we're Babu and Bibi, grandma and grandpa in Swahili. And uh, we're loving those grandbabies when we get a chance to see them. My dad used to say about my, my kids, his grandkids, he said, had I known grandkids would be this good, I would have had them first. <laughs> so I'd like to see how that would work, right? But uh, we're very grateful to the Lord and um, just so excited about the opportunities to serve him in the continent of Africa. Pastor Jack's already mentioned where we've lived in the past and in the last couple years. We've been living now in South Africa. We've moved there to Pretoria. And so it gives us a good place to base out of. And I see a future church plant in South Africa as well, Pastor Jack. And so we're excited about what the Lord is doing in the continent of Africa. You know, uh, a missionary that we worked with for a season, uh, he would often say, um, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I don't have any sad stories. You know, all my stories 
are good stories of God's victory and God's goodness and God's blessing upon our lives. Yeah, there's a lot of junk going on in the world today, a lot of junk in Africa, but uh, Romans tells us where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. So we're excited about what God is doing. Lots of opportunities uh, through our feeding programs. We're feeding kids in Malawi, feeding kids in Burundi. We've recently started some schools, three schools in Malawi. Uh, Our newest school just in September there in Burundi. We launched that school, 20 churches, and uh, we're excited about what God's going to do in the future. So thank you for partnering with us uh, in church, Imaginations Church, for uh, all the years of, of partnership praying for us. Pastor Jack, you blessed me last year, Pastor, when you called you and Carol and you said, uh, we're in our, our, our 21 day uh, prayer and fasting. And, and what can we pray with you guys about? Man, that just about broke me right there. And uh, just have that personal call and that prayer, knowing that uh, this church is standing with us uh, through prayer and financial support. And, and we're very grateful. I want to say to you, as we say in Swahili, Asante sana namungu awabariki. Thank you very much, and God bless you. Hallelujah. You know, uh, now before I get into the message, uh, I want to loosen this up a little bit. I want to loosen this up African style. Is that okay? So in Africa, uh, in the Swahili Bible, uh, where it says, give the Lord a shout of praise. I I love that, the way they've translated that in the Swahili Bible. It says, give the Lord Lord a vigelegele. I I can't really explain what a vigelegele is, except I have to demonstrate it for you. Are you you okay with a demonstration of a vigelegele? Here we go. Hey, I hear somebody has heard that before. And if you're really good, you can do it without your hand. You just go. So can we praise the Lord African style tonight? Come on, all you young people. I saw that energy up here. Come on, let's all give the Lord a vigeli geli together on three. One, two, three. Now let's praise him Aussie style, whatever that looks like. Let's give the Lord. <laughs> Amen, amen, amen. Look, can we go to uh, the book of Acts tonight? The title of my message is Obedience to the Heavenly Vision. Obedience to the Heavenly Vision. And we see in Acts chapter 26, uh, we'll start reading in verse 9. We don't have time to read it all, uh, but some powerful verses there that talk about Paul. And he had been thrown in prison and he had been given an opportunity to uh, give his defense and he, he goes into talking about how he had persecuted Christians and, and, and how he had met Jesus, uh, you know, on, on the way to Damascus there and how it just changed his life. And so we'll pick it up there in verse 9, Acts chapter 26, verse 9. Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. While thus occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, at midday, O king, alone, Oh, sorry. At midday, O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who journey with me. 
And when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goad. So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent. Turn, that they should repent, turn to God and do works befitting repentance. For these reasons, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. Therefore, having obtained help from God, to this day I stand, witnessing both the small and great, saying no other things than those which the prophets and Moses said would come, that the Christ Uh, would suffer, that he would be the first to rise from the dead and would proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. I love verse 19. Verse 19, also, we have it from a couple other versions there, but the New King James says, Therefore, uh, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. The NLT says, And so, King Agrippa, I obeyed that vision from heaven, but from the message Bible, I love it. It says, what could I do, King Agrippa? I couldn't just walk away from a vision like that. I became an obedient believer on the spot. (laughs) You know, the Bible is full of scriptures that talk about obedience and, and, and the positive effects it has on the lives of those who obey God. But it's also full of scriptures, right, that talk about disobedience and and the negative effects it has on those who disobey God. And and I like to put it this way. God's blessings uh, are are not something that, you know, we have to uh, just, you know, pray and fast 40 days and 40 nights. Oh, God, please, I'm begging you to, to bless me. No, all you have to do is just obey God. Obey God and enjoy a sandwich, you know. And he'll bless you. It says it this way in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19 and verse 20. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Just obey God. Deuteronomy chapter 28 tells us, it says that if you will hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God, if you will just obey God, what would happen? You'll be blessed. You'll be blessed coming in. You'll be blessed going out. You'll be the head, not the tail, above and not beneath. Blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed in the basket, blessed in the storehouse. You will be a blessing. Just obey God. I love it in the Swahili Bible. I love reading other translations and other languages. And it says in the Swahili Bible, it says, Hallelujah. You feel the anointing right there, huh? If you'll just obey God, if you'll just, if you'll just obey God, these blessings will attack you. Hallelujah. These blessings will come on you, overtake you, and you'll be attacked 
literally attacked by the... That means you don't have to go looking for blessings. Blessings will come looking for you. But you've got to be obedient. And Paul says here, he says, I was, he didn't just say I was obedient. He said I was obedient to something very specific. He said I was obedient to what? I was obedient to the heavenly vision. We see here in Acts chapter 26, Paul had been thrown in prison for preaching the gospel. Then, of course, later he's brought before King Agrippa and his entourage and given an opportunity to defend himself before them. And he started out his defense by talking about how before he had an encounter with Jesus, he persecuted Christians. In fact, he said, I was actually on my way to Damascus to do that, to persecute Christians. And then he said, but on my way there, Jesus appeared to me. And he had mercy on me. He forgave me of my sins. He, 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 he forgave me. He, he set me free. And then he told me that he was sending me to witness to everyone. To witness to everyone about the salvation of God that's available, available only to those who put their faith in Christ. And then we see here, let's just look at it from the Message Bible. Just again, verse 19. Uh, Acts 26, verse uh, 19 up to 23, the Message Bible. It says, what can I do, King Agrippa? I couldn't just walk away from a vision like that. I became an obedient believer on the spot. I started preaching this life change, this radical turn to God and everything it meant in everyday life. Right there in Damascus, went on to Jerusalem and the surrounding countryside and from there the whole world. It's because of this whole world dimension that the Jews grabbed me in the temple that day and tried to kill me. They want to keep God for themselves, but God has stood by me just as he promised, and I'm standing here saying what I've been saying to anyone, whether king or child, who will listen, and everything I'm saying is completely in line with what the prophets and Moses said would happen. One, the Messiah must die. Two, raised from the dead. He would be the first rays of God's daylight shining on people who are far and near, people both godless and God-fearing. I said, I couldn't, I couldn't just walk away from a vision like that. And so I immediately I began to tell everyone the good news of Jesus and his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Paul was saying to King Agrippa and to his entourage there in his, as he was giving his defense, his defense, he said that he had to obey the heavenly vision. In other words, he was saying that he had to do everything within his power to accomplish and fulfill that vision from heaven. Oh, again, I, I couldn't just walk away from a vision like that. So the question tonight is, what was the heavenly vision Paul was talking about that he said he had to obey? What was the heavenly vision that he said he couldn't just walk away from? The heavenly vision Paul was talking about is a vision that pushes us to plunder hell and to populate heaven with the souls of men and women who are lost for eternity without Jesus. The heavenly vision is a vision of redemption and salvation for the lost. The heavenly vision is a vision to preach the gospel in your Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth as Acts 1.8 says to do. The heavenly vision is a vision to go and make disciples of all the nations, as Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 says to do. The heavenly vision is a vision to seek and to save that which is lost, as Luke 19, chapter 19, verse 10 says to do. 
The heavenly vision is a vision, as Paul said, is to witness both to small and to great. As the message Bible says, both to king and to child, both to white and black, both to skinny and not so skinny, both to the rich, the poor, both to the educated and the uneducated, both to the Jew and the Palestinian. Glory to God. It's a vision to witness to men and women of all tribes, languages and nations about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the Son of the living God. The heavenly vision Paul is talking about is God's vision for the nations. And his vision for the nations is found in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It says that none should perish. None should perish, but all should come to repentance. And this is the vision Paul was telling King Agrippa and his cronies that he had to obey. It was a vision that he was compelled to obey, a vision he was constrained to obey. It was a kind of vision that a person just, just couldn't walk away from. And this is the secret of the apostle Paul being used by God to do the signs, wonders, and miracles that he did. It was the secret sauce, if you will, of his success for planting churches all over the place. In other words, the reason the power of Almighty God was released in and through him to accomplish all that he accomplished was that he simply obeyed the heavenly vision. He didn't sit sour and soak in church until the day he died. But he got up off of his blessed assurance and went to seek and to save that which is lost in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to other most parts of the earth. Again, the Message Bible, verses 19 and 20. What could I do, King Agrippa? I couldn't just walk away from a vision like that. I became obedient, an obedient believer on the spot. I started preaching this life change, this radical turn to God and everything it meant in everyday life right there in Damascus. Went on to Jerusalem and the surrounding countryside and from there to the whole world. And the same is true about us. Coming to church on Sunday mornings is nice. Please don't stop. But coming to church on Sunday mornings and any other day of the week as far as that goes, in and of itself is not obedience to the heavenly vision. But when we get up and we go outside these four walls in order to seek and to save that which is lost in our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, to the uttermost part of the earth, at our workplaces, at our schools, in our neighborhoods, at the gym, at rugby practice, at the supermarket, that's when we are being obedient to the heavenly vision. And it's when we are obedient to the heavenly vision that the power and anointing of Almighty God is released to do a powerful work through us in the hearts and lives of those we come into contact with each and every day. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 and 8. Matthew 10, 7 and 8. And as you go, Jesus said, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. Cast out demons, for you have freely received, freely give. The Bible doesn't say as we sit in church on Sunday mornings very quietly and very reverently, 
the sick will be healed, the lepers will be cleansed, the dead will be raised, and demons will be cast out. No, it says what? As we go. As we preach. And as we declare the kingdom of heaven is at hand, that's when the sick will be healed. That's when the lepers will be cleansed. That's when the dead will be raised. That's when demons will be cast out. Why? Because sitting in church on Sunday mornings, very quietly and very reverently, never venturing outside the four walls of the church to do what we can to seek and to save that which is lost is not obedience to the heavenly vision. And wherever there's a lack of obedience to the heavenly vision, there will always be a lack of power and anointing to get the job done. However, one simple act of obedience to the heavenly vision, going, preaching, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, will cause there to be a release of God's mighty power and anointing in us and through us to do what God has called us to do, which is what? Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, Cast out demons because God and free because it's been freely given to us. Now He's requiring for us to freely give it away. But again, that can only happen when we walk in obedience to the heavenly vision. Isaiah chapter ten verse twenty-seven. You probably know this: when the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil, power of Satan is defeated and it's destroyed. How? By the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Who are the ones that are anointed by the Holy Spirit? Those who sit sour and soak in church on Sunday mornings? No. We don't need to be anointed to sit sour and soak in church on Sunday mornings. Huh? Anybody can do that. We don't need any special power to do that. Those who go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, are the ones who need to be anointed by the Holy Spirit because it's by the anointing of the Holy Spirit the sick they meet along the way will be healed. The lepers they meet along the way will be cleansed. The dead they meet along the way will be raised. The demon-possessed they meet along the way will be set free. And it's by the anointing of the Holy Spirit that this will happen, which comes upon those who are obedient to the heavenly vision. Those who literally, literally obey what Jesus said. Go, preach, say. Then, declaring the kingdom of heaven is at hand, then sick will be healed. Lepers will be cleansed. Signs, wonders, and miracles. Even the dead will be raised. Those that are demon-possessed will be set free by the anointing because it's the anointing that destroys the yoke of the enemy. But that anointing only comes on those who obey the heavenly vision. So what do we need to do if we want the anointing of the Holy Spirit to do signs, wonders, and miracles to come upon us? The answer, go preach. Say, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. <laughs> Tell somebody about Jesus. Put yourself in a situation that if God doesn't show up, nothing's going to happen. And see what God's going to do in you and through you. 
The anointing of the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of Satan as people in bondage will be destroyed and broken off of them. Again, the sick will be healed, the lepers will be cleansed, the dead will be raised, the demon possessed will be set free because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit that will come upon you as you go preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Say, well, no, I think I'll just wait. I'll wait till I feel it. I'll wait for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to come upon me first, and, and, then, and then I'll go preach, saying. Then I'll go and declare the kingdom of heaven is at hand. No, it doesn't work that way. Why? Because that's not obedience to the heavenly vision. Obedience to the heavenly vision is not conditional. Can I say it again? Obedience to the heavenly vision is not conditional. Well, if I feel this way or if I feel that way first, then, then I'll be obedient to the heavenly vision. No, just be obedient to the heavenly vision whether you feel a certain way or not. Just go preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand whether you feel a certain way or not. And out of obedience to the heavenly vision, as you go preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit will come upon you to minister to those around you. And again, the sick you come into contact will be healed. Even the lepers will be cleansed. Even dead will be raised. And those who are in bondage to demonic powers will be set free by the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit that will come upon you as a result of your obedience to the heavenly vision. Oh, come on. In um, a book I just finished reading, the author by the name of Peyton Jones, rec I highly recommend this book called Reaching the Unreached, Becoming Raiders of the Lost Art. Not Raiders of the Lost Ark, but Raiders of the Lost Art. Reaching the Unreached by Peyton Jones. Get it, you won't be disappointed. He says this. He said, the front lines or where Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would be with us in power. Without the risk inherent in the mission of Jesus, we would have no great need for his power. He guarantees he will go with us into no man's land, kicking butt and taking names. I didn't say that. Peyton Jones said it. The power of the Holy Spirit is promised only in the context of mission. Jesus promised his presence, oh, hallelujah, as we gather, but his power when we spread out. Woo! Note the link in the following passages between Jesus sending us out and the promise of the Holy Spirit's power to accompany us as we go. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, and surely I am with you. Always to the very end of the age, Matthew 28, verse 18 up to verse 20. So first, Jesus tells them, his disciples, he's got all the authority they need to reach the unreached to the ends of the earth. And the promise is that he'll be with them as they go. The going and the empowering are inextricably linked together. Like peas and carrots, Forrest and Jenny, Beavis and his unmentionable friend. This guy's comical. Again, the link between power and mobilization is inherent in the verses that are in the theme of this book. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me, Acts 1.8. 
power is always given for witness, not for running a show. Whoa. Power is always given for witness, not for running a show. Note how Luke, of course, Luke is the author of the book of Acts. Note how Luke and Paul link mission and power together. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerful at work in them. Acts 4.33, my message and preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. 1, Tim, 1 Corinthians 2.4, our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. 1 Thessalonians 1.5, he gives us the power to be his witnesses, not to run a show. I love that. So I bring it to a conclusion. I was thinking about this here recently and, 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 and how we came to start planting churches. We started planting churches in the early 90s. And, and what's interesting is I didn't really know I was gifted and anointed to plant churches until I started planting churches. My wife, well, I'll get back to my wife in just a moment. What had happened was we moved to Burundi in the early 90s. We had left Congo, Zaire at the time. We'd gone to learn French, lived nine months in France, and coming back, we, we, we felt a stir to plant a church. So we went to Burundi. And in Burundi, you know, we show up. There was no congregation there to receive us. Uh, we didn't know anyone, literally. We had met briefly some missionaries uh, sometime before that, maybe a year or two before that. The name, uh, by the name of John, the family name was Johnson's. The Johnson's are icons in Burundi. They had been there since the 50s. And they had a little compound, well, actually a big compound, and they had a little apartment efficiency, a little flat that, that they sometimes would let visitors, pass, you know, backpackers and that type, missionaries <laughs> who just show up. And they let, it, they let them stay. So we, but we didn't know where the Johnsons lived. And Bujumbura was a city of several hundred thousand. And we show up at the airport. And we had no clue where the Johnsons lived. We didn't know where we were going to go. We hadn't even booked a hotel. And so we show up um, at the airport. And uh, I asked the taxi driver, I said, do you know the Johnsons? And he said, yeah. I said, oh, well, do you know where they live? He said, Yeah. I said, well, can you take me there? He said, yeah. And 30 minutes later, we were at the front door. The Johnsons knocking on the front door saying, uh, we hear you have an apartment efficiency. Can we stay the night? They said, yeah, you know, you can stay as long as you need to. You can find a house. So, you know, that was ticked, a place to stay for a few nights. And uh, we show up, me, my wife, uh, and two kids. At the time, we only had two kids and a dog. And uh, I think we had about 13 pieces of luggage, Pastor Jack, about like you guys when you came to Australia, right? And uh, we just show up, and, and, and we saw God do some amazing things. I mean, immediately, it didn't take long. We found a house on the weekend. This was on a Friday. On Monday, we had found a house. We moved in to the house that we found that we could rent out. And so uh, life was good, right? Uh, we found out where the Johnsons live, and we found a house to live in. And now, though, we have to get registered because you can't, you can't just set up shop in Burundi uh, as a foreigner and, and, and have a church. It has to be registered first. So 
uh, we started the process, and, you know, every other day it was like, come back tomorrow, and uh, go back the next day, and come back tomorrow, and, and every day was come back tomorrow, and uh, we just went on for nine months, and our visas were about to expire, you know, the visitor's visas, and they said, but no, you can't be here on a visitor's visa. You have to have a, work, a two-year work permit. And I said, I want one, but you're not giving me a registration for my, for my ministry here, my church. So as soon as you register us, uh, then I'll, I'll apply for a work permit. So uh, make a long story short, you know, back and forth to the offices, a, a lot of red tape, you can imagine, you know, and a lot of corruption and and that type of thing, and, and so, but just one day, I get a, the phone rings, this was, you know, before cell phone days, and so the guy, ring, the, they ring me on the phone at the Ministry of Internal Affairs, and they said, Reverend Peters, we need you to come to the office, and I said, oh no, what now? They said, no, we want you to come and get your certificate of registration. That was in uh, August of 1992, in um, that same year, November, we had our first church service in the slum. I mean, literally in the slum. And we had about 30 people show up for that first service. And most of them were were children. And and we preached the gospel. And for the next several months, we had drunks and prostitutes and you name it, they were coming in, (laughs) but they were getting saved. And that's all that mattered. And we would do door to door evangelism, telling people about Jesus and, 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 uh, we saw God do some amazing things. In 18 months, the church grew to 500 people. Yeah. And, and, but then war came, you know, civil war came. And so, you know, what do you do in a situation like that? Well, this is the last thing God told you to do. And he hadn't told us to leave Burundi. So we, 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 we stayed and, and we kept preaching the gospel. And his grace was in the hand of the Lord and his protection and his blessings, right? Come on, just obey God. Yeah. Obey the heavenly vision. He'll take care of everything else. And we saw God, you know, we, we had some tough times there for several months after the Civil War. After running 500 people on Sunday mornings, we went to church one Sunday morning, and we had 56 people. And, and, but God gave me a word, and I, I stood and I preached, and I said, you know, I said, those who be with us are more than those who be against us. And, and I pray, Lord, open our eyes. Let us see that the, the angels of the Lord are surrounding us and taking care of us. And we had many of our church people fled. I mean, literally fleeing for their lives over into Congo, over into Rwanda. We had 16 church members come live with us. We had 16 refugees plus our family. Uh, we had 23 in our home at that time in a three-bedroom home. But we had, and we had young people, uh, some of these young men in the church sleeping on the floor in our lounge. But, but, uh, but God was moving and God was taking care of things and, and, and somehow peace came for a little while anyway and, and we were able to go back to our church facility and, and our refugees, praise the Lord, after six weeks went back home and so we, and so we, but we saw God do some amazing things we, the church began to grow again we were back up to a couple hundred people and then God opened the door for us to, to get a lease on the Odeon Palace which I think Pastor Jack we took you over there to see that that, that was the National Theater and we rented it out and, and over a number of years we saw that church grow to 1600 people two services on Sunday mornings, 300 cell groups. And it was just amazing what the Lord did in those, those years. And then we moved on and started planting churches in Malawi and Zambia and other places. But, but the, my point is, you know, when, 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 when you're just obedient to the heavenly vision, just be obedient. Then God's blessings 
and his provision and his protection will be so evident. And it'll even amaze those you come into contact with. My wife, she began to feed hungry kids there in Burundi. There were a lot of street kids in those days and, 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 and uh, um, not refugees, but displaced people in, living in schools and living in camps. And so my wife just had this burden. She started feeding 1,500 children Monday through Friday and providing education for many of them who couldn't go back to school because of the war. Then we moved to Malawi in 2006. Again, we started all over again. We, we left the church in the hands of national leadership, and we moved to Malawi, and we repeated the whole process. Started with a cell group on our back porch. We had, we had five people that first Sunday morning. And we saw God begin to bless and, 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 and people begin to come. And we had before just, it was too long. We had 30, we had 30, it wasn't too long. We had 30 people coming to cell group on our back porch. <laughs> so we had to find, we had to find a warehouse. So we found a warehouse. We rented out the warehouse. We, we, we moved the church there. And just a matter of a few months, the church grew to 200 people. Then we planted another church in an area of the city called Insiliza. And then Joyce Meyer Ministries came alongside. Now, before that, though, my wife, I said, I'll come back to my wife. So my wife, she started feeding hungry kids again there in Malawi. And she didn't have much. Uh, our resources were very limited. But she said, you know what? She said, I've got, she said, I've got three rocks and a pot and a wooden spoon. She said, that's all I need. I can build a fire. I can put that pot on the fire. A fire, or rather a, a, a pot, three rocks, and a wooden spoon. That's all it's going to take to feed hungry children porridge. And so she began to feed these hungry children. And, 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 and then Joyce Meyer Ministries came alongside, and, and they built a Hope Center for us, which was great because at the time we were feeding about 1,200 children Monday through Friday. But I, I looked at it, and on Sunday it was empty. I said, we're going to plant a church there. And and so we, we planted our second church at this Hope Center. And then when we left in 2012, again, to go start all over again and plant churches in other places, uh, we left the church with uh, our overseer there by the name of Wilson and Vina. He's a church planting beast, I'm telling you. If I had 10 Wilsons, I could take Africa for Jesus. Uh, this guy's incredible. So we left him with two churches. Now he's got 11 churches in Malawi. And he's gone over into Mozambique, and he's planted a church in Mozambique. But, but it all came from just being in all glory be to God. But my point is, I, I just want to testify of what it looks like when you're obedient to the heavenly vision. And then, you know, I was asked to share a little bit about uh, my call and, and to not just address some of the young people that are here tonight that God called us in the missions when, when we were in our teens. Actually, my wife was nine years old. She was at a conference, and they told all the children there to fill out a card and tell them what, right on there what you want to be when you grow up. She said, I want to be a missionary, nine years old. When I was nine, you know, I didn't know what I was doing, especially as I got to be a teenager. But in 19, at the age of 19, I had, I had God visit me and had a change and transformation, and, and it was all connected with going to the mission field. 19 years old, went to the mission field for the first time, and I got bit by the missions bug, and I've been sick with missions ever since. So I would encourage you young people, you're in a great place. In church is a great place, not only to give your faith promise, but also to join up with some of those that are going to the mission field. 
and even in your own school and in your own neighborhood, but take a trip or two. And I tell you, you might not ever wind up being a, a career missionary, as they say, but, but missions will get inside of you, and your life will never be the same. And you'll find yourself just, just wanting and desiring and praying, God, help me to be obedient to the heavenly vision. And so I would encourage us tonight, like the Apostle Paul, he had his encounter with Jesus. And he said, but the Lord spoke to me. He appeared to me and he told me to go and witness to anyone and everyone, both to small and great, both child and king. And Paul said to King Agrippa, Agrippa, I just had to obey. I just had to obey. I had to be obedient to that heavenly vision, what God had called me to do. And I would encourage us tonight. That's the key. Obedience. But obedience to the heavenly vision will cause the heavens to open over your life. You don't have to worry. You don't have to go off and pray and fast up in the mountains for 40 days and 40 nights. As I said earlier, just obey God and enjoy a sandwich. And you'll see God do some amazing things in you, for you, and through you as you stay obedient to the heavenly vision. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here's what I'd like to do if I, I may just for take two minutes. Uh, could we stand tonight before they come and close the service for us? I would like to ask um, the, the, the adults here, if, if you would, please find a young person tonight. And, and I just felt in my heart that we need to do this tonight and pray for these young people. So, so some of you adults, let's, let's, let's get up close to uh, uh, some of these young people and let's uh, begin to pray over them tonight uh, for God's calling and God's vision for their lives and, and that they would be bold in what God's telling them to do at school and out in the community. So if we could, let's just kind of surround these young people tonight, these youth, and let's pray over them. This heart and this, 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 this desire to be obedient to the heavenly vision, even at the age of 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19, all through their teens, early 20s. Father, we pray over these young people tonight. God, we're so grateful. We're so thankful that they've chosen Friday night to be in church. Lord, they've been obedient uh, to come tonight and to hear your word. And now, Lord, I thank you that even they're stirred to be obedient to the heavenly vision. Lord, they're, they're, they're determined to leave tonight obedient to the heavenly vision. Lord, we pray this blessing over them. We pray strength and courage over them. Lord, out in their community, at school, at home. Lord, if they're in university, wherever they're at, whatever they're doing, maybe they come from homes that where, where the parents are not even saved. But God, they're saved. And I thank you that they're light. They're determined to be light and salt, even in their home. Lord, that's where the mission field begins, is in our home. It's in our Jerusalem. So, Lord, we just thank you tonight that you're touching these young people. Father, you're stirring these young people. And they'll leave from here tonight declaring, Lord, Lord like the Apostle Paul, 
Paul, I will be obedient to the heavenly vision. Father, obedience, 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 obedience to the heavenly vision. Father, we thank you that uh, in this house, there's an army of young people going forth, hallelujah, ready to serve, ready to, to preach, ready to tell people about Jesus, to lead worship, Lord, to get involved in feeding programs and helping in education and joining up on some of these teams that are going uh, on the mission field, Lord, going abroad, going to nations. Jesus, your heart is for nations. You said you're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So, Lord, we thank you tonight. <laughs> ah, a heart, a heart for nations is being stirred up, Lord. A vision for nations is being stirred up, Lord, on the inside of these young people. Lord, us adults here tonight, we pray over these young people. We bless these young people. And, Father, we thank you that you are raising them up in this hour to be obedient to the heavenly vision. Father, we thank you for it. We praise you for it tonight. In Jesus' name, and all the young people, give Jesus a vigile Come on now. Lala!